We are Screams and Queens, a podcast for all lovers of horror movies, novels, and true stories. Your hosts are Bree, the book nerd, Megan, the horror expert, and Jenna, our token scaredy cat. Each week, we'll watch a horror movie and then talk about what scared us the most. Or should we say, what scared Jenna the most? We are Screams and Queens. Welcome to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Screams and Queens. I am your co-host, Bree. I'm Jenna. And I'm Megan. And today we have the second part of our last episode where we talked about the movie Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil and Vile, and then compared it to the real life of Ted Bundy. And uh, today we have a very special guest with us. This is Michelle, L-P-C-C-S. <laughs> I was going to get that wrong. Um, she's a therapist and she's also a co-host of the podcast Cheeky Vibe and Peaceful Life. Um, so Michelle, do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself, how you got into therapy? Um, I have been a therapist for over 20 years. And so I had previous career um, in retail and um, didn't like it and I was always talking to the people that worked with me and figuring out trying to figure out their problems and so I went back to college uh, when I was a little older and went straight through for my master's and got my degree and I used to work in inner city um, Akron for 10 years and before that Alliance for 10 years so I have a lot of different experiences working with teens um, working with kids with all kinds of different problems and at-risk teens. And then I left three years ago and got into private practice in North Canton. I worked for one of my best friends, um, therapy agencies called North Canton Therapy Works. So right on Main Street, and that's where I've been the last couple of years. And then last December, we started our podcast, Lauren Mazadonsky and I. So Cheeky Vibe Peaceful Life was born in December. So keep pretty busy with all of that. So Awesome. Well, thank you busy for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. Um, we're really excited to have you here, especially since we wanted to dive a little bit more into the psychology behind Ted Bundy and just serial killers in general, because we, after watching the movie that was starred Zac Efron in his red bandana. Uh, so um, <laughs> <high>. like, <laughs> it's unfair. If you haven't seen the bandana picture, check out our Instagram. We shared that picture. Yeah. He is fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Instagram at Screams and Queens Pod. Um, and then really quickly, I just want to also give kind of a plug to our Patreon. So if you love us and if you love the show, we do have a Patreon. Um, it's just Screams and Queens Podcast. Check it out. Um, you can get cool stuff like early releases to episodes bonus episodes um discounted merchandise and just cool stuff um we have our very first patron stephanie J, who happens to be my sister but <laughs> <laughs> so so no one needs to know that but so that's my sister so thank you steph for becoming our very first patron and you could be next so check it out okay Anyway, so the structure is going to be a little bit different than what we typically do for our podcast because we're not necessarily diving into a movie. So just first kind of briefly summarize what we talked about last time. So if you haven't listened to the last episode, make sure you check it out. It's kind of an introduction to this one. So uh, last time we watched the movie, and the movie is actually, it's about the Ted Bundy trials, but it's through the lens of his then-girlfriend, Elizabeth Clofter. Um, and you see this more just emotional and uh, empathetic side of him. And we talked a lot about how we had to keep reminding ourselves that he was the bad guy. He was the serial killer. And we we shouldn't feel bad when he's crying and when he's on death row because we're like, well, you, you put yourself here. So um, anyway, so really good movie. Um, but because of all this, we wanted to create a second part where we dive more into the psychology behind the actual serial killer himself. To, just to start off, I want to talk a little bit about just the last moments of Bundy's life and just some of the research I did. So in like the last couple days of Ted Bundy's life, he actually had um, this psychiatrist come in, uh, Dr. Lewis is her name, but he had uh, Dorothy Lewis. He had her come in. She was a very highly respected psychiatrist from New York, and because he wanted to dive into his own psychology and figure out 
why he killed all these women and what happened. And because in the documentary on Netflix, he even stated that um, there was no, there was nothing in particular that made him into a serial killer. Like, there was nothing that was like, oh, I had this abusive mother, or, or so he thought. So he brought in this psychiatrist to really just, I don't know if like he was trying to clear his conscience in the last moments of his life or whatever he was trying to do, but something happened, something switched, and he wanted to figure out why he was doing this. So, and Michelle, you could probably speak to this a little bit more as well, but so according to The Roots of Evil, it's an article in Vanity Fair just completely based off of Ted Bundy, um, quote, serial killing is a form of violence that experts say is growing in America. Most serial killers are white, male, above average and intelligent, and adroit at wearing a mask of charm and sanity. They are men clever enough to avoid detection as they kill time and time again, unquote. So, Michelle, what do you have to say about any of that? <laughs> well, um, I have worked with a lot of different people, and I can say I've never worked with a serial killer. Now you know of. <laughs> I know of. You know well, of, yeah. I have I worked of. with a lot of um, different <laughs> serial killers. <laughs> but and I, let me tell you. <laughs> but I do want to say that, you know, I work, I've worked with a lot of different kids that have, you know, there's kind of precursor to antisocial personality disorder, which is what most serial killers are diagnosed with, antisocial personality disorder, and some other of those disorders in that cluster of personality disorders, like borderline personality disorder and narcissist person, personality disorder. Um, so, but to start off with that, sometimes there's children out there that are, that have a diagnosis of oppositional defiant disorder, and that's when they're mouthy and contrary and fighting authority, and, and then if it continues, it goes into what's called conduct disorder, where they start doing more and more aggressive crimes, um, assaulting with guns, those kind of things, and then have, have that doesn't, um, get helped, <laughs> you know, then it becomes ingrained in our personality, which by the age of 15 to 20, our personalities are formed. And so those become, at, at that point, can become personality disorder of anti-personality, anti-social personality disorder. So, you know, there's like a progression. And then um, also, you know, when you talk about kids that have some of these issues, there's some warning signs. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of these, um, but people who are young people who are very obsessed with voyeurism, like the peeping and, and maybe watching somebody have sex and, you know, kind of that kind of stuff, that's one of them. Another one is fascination with fires, starting fires. Mm. And then another one, the yeah. big yeah. one is harming and killing animals. They always say those are the red flags. So, you know, putting those things in those same oppositional defiant conduct moving into antisocial personality disorder. So I don't know where you want me to go with all that. I'm yeah. sort of giving some background on the diagnosis of antisocial personality disorder and have my trusty DSM-5. This is a therapist Bible. <laughs> it has every diagnosis out there, and then we go over it. But if you want later on, I can even touch base on what, what those are, you know, what the criteria is for antisocial personality disorder. Yeah. So the article mentioned it being typically white men above yes. average intelligence. So yes. what stati statistically, how what percentage of serial killers do we know? Is how common is it for it to be men? How common is it I to think be a woman? I read an article. I think it was like seventy four percent men. Wow. Um, and there, a lot of time, I think it was like a, a huge percent. I don't know the percentage. I'm sorry, I don't have that with me. But um, definitely white, and and a lot of times. Serial killers are very attractive people. Mm -hmm. and, and again, as a narcissist, when you put the narcissistic personality disorder combined with that, you know, it's, they may seem like they're loving and kind. Because you said, you know, Ted Bundy's girlfriend was like, oh, he was this great guy. But narcissists do things that are going to benefit them. So if I'm, it, you know, that's going to benefit him to be kind and loving to this woman if that's what he wants this relationship with this woman to be. So I don't know the percentages exactly, but yes, white males generally average to above average. I, I've seen other articles where they say it's not necessarily above average, even just average. But then that also goes to the kinds of serial killers that are out there. Um, I don't know if you want me to say anything about that right now or wait, you know. But um, I, yeah, I do have something later that we okay. can definitely touch on that okay. about. Um, no, absolutely. Like, I think, um, like I said, Ted Bundy had mentioned, like, I didn't have any of those signs. Like, people had even said, like, his aunt, uh, Julia, 
had even said he was this very good young mm-hmm. boy. Like, he got, like, besides, like, kind of the violent, like, or I don't know if they're exactly what they were, violent, but these outbursts in school, like, besides these... Well, those, and impulsivity is a huge thing that goes along with, um serial killers, the impulsivity, this drive that they have that it becomes an, almost like an obsession. And um, a lot of times the, the research has shown that serial killers have, if, if even if not abusive, very um, dysfunctional relationships with their mother. And generally, mm-hmm. a mother who's dominating or controlling or punitive, mm-hmm. you know, with the child. So, um, you know, what he... Th- originally said didn't really hold true to what was found out later on Mm -hmm. with his mother so yeah no yeah and so let's skip into that actually like talking about his mother so um and so to fast forward when Ted Bundy was called a psychiatrist his mother was actually the one that was like get somebody in here to figure out why you did this and so it's interesting kind of the dynamic that that changed so plus she doesn't want to I mean, she looks like the bad guy. What did people yeah. are going to say? What did you do wrong? So the mother's thinking, mm-hmm. okay, find out what's going on with him because it's not me. What me? You know? Yeah, yeah. So and um, so she was. So Bundy was born. Just like, like a few facts I saw, like I found like on biography.com. Um, so he was born at a home for unwed mothers in Vermont. Um, and like we talked about, he thought like his mom was his sister because she was, she was very young. So her being so young and unwed, um, he was mocked for being a bastard, like by his own cousins. And, um, she was also shunned by her church group. Like she was kicked out of her church group. Her parents just kind of didn't disown her, but really like did not approve obviously of like this this whole situation which would definitely lead to her resenting him yeah mm-hmm. and that's kind of what I read into it as well like, I didn't explicitly say that but that's kind of what I got from it was that she was a very negligent mother like mm-hmm. she just didn't I don't know if it was because she was young or because she was resentful or maybe both right. I don't know um but and his grandfather who he had thought was his father and there was this whole like I guess it was strictly just a rumor that was apparently proven wrong but his grandfather they maybe thought was like his father as well so I don't know if that meant I heard that I thought that his grandpa was his dad with his mom so that meant incestuous incestuous yeah so I don't know that's just a rumor that apparently was was believed to be untrue, but I, I'm not sure. So there's just, there's a whole bunch of stuff we could dig into, but um, his grandfather was apparently, from Dr. Lewis's own words, an extremely violent and frightening individual. Um, he apparently, he would kick dogs and he would swing cats by their tails. Um, he would also like jump up and down and scream at the people like that worked for him. Like he was just, and apparently he was more of just, like, more of a verbal abuser versus a physical, but um, that in and of itself, I mean, I don't know, Michelle, if you want to touch on this a little bit, but how that can, the different effects, like, verbal abuse has versus physical abuse, like, is one, I don't want to say worse than the other because they're both awful, but is there is there some kind of effect that is different? You know, I, I've worked with so many clients who've had all kinds of abuse, and really what it comes down to is whether it's verbal or physical you're still in fight or flight mode. Mm-hmm. You're constantly living in fear. So the, the, the verbal abuse, you're constantly being waiting to, for the other shoe to fall. You're going to be berated. You're going to get in trouble. Is this the, the what-ifs come out? What if I do this or what if I do that? You know, constantly living in fear. So either way, you're in fight or flight mode, which is a trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, if that's extensive period of time, you're living in a trauma mode. It's also role modeling how to handle things. Mm-hmm. If you get, if he's watching his grandfather slash father, whatever, however he saw him swinging cats around, that's abuse of animals, yeah. you know, vicariously watching this, you know, and then he, seeing him ranting and raving and getting, being the victim of that, that's role modeling all that behavior for him as well. Mm-hmm. And that's the man in his life that he looked up to, mm-hmm. you know, that's yeah. his father figure. Yeah, that was literally, like, the only father figure he had, and I don't want to skip too far ahead, but just kind of since we're on that note, there was a point where they had all, I think they had all, like, lived together, like, the the mother lived with the grandfather, and then she took him away, Ted Bundy away, or Theodore, they called him, um, 
and that apparently was one of the things they said like may have triggered him because they took away this only father figure and had him go live with this like very just like negligent mother who seemingly maybe didn't want him and um so I was looking at some of the things that so back to Aunt Julia really quickly she had said like oh he was this nice young boy but then there was also this one time where she woke up like I think it was in the middle of the night and he was just like putting knives like on her bed just under the covers and she was like that's weird <laughs> maybe don't do that and she went and told everybody and everyone's like oh Theodore <laughs> crazy Theodore <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, like no one thought that of a toddler and I guess like I don't know you know how like psychotic toddlers can act because if their brains aren't like as developed yet or whatever but that would be a warning sign for me. Like, if my toddler was putting knives under my covers, I'd be like... And you wonder... Oh. See, that makes me think, you know, you're a blank slate when you're born, you know, supposedly, you know, we're born neutral. Um, but maybe he had experienced even watching horror movies or something where his mind didn't comprehend what he was seeing. Mm -hmm. You know, because for as much as he said he had a normal upbringing, everything you've just disclosed sounds pretty abnormal and dysfunctional. Mm -hmm. So who knows what he witnessed, because most toddlers would not be thinking about knives, putting him in a bed. How did he have access to knives? That's negligence. Yeah, yeah. and they were well, butcher knives. Like yeah. It wasn't just like butter knives. Like, they were like like killy stabby knives. <laughs> like, <laughs> Michael Myers knives. Like, and it really brings to mind that, that, you know, there's another diagnosis out there called reactive attachment disorder, and it's for kids that haven't bonded with their mother or their significant others, um, and they have this where they, they're with you, they love you while they're with you, and then if they go away, they never ask about them again. I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's another disorder, and it makes you wonder, too, was there even some of that going on where he's got that separation, where he has no regard for people, doesn't care whether they're here or they're not there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just interesting. But it sounds like there was a lot more going on that, I mean, I can't think of a single two-year-old I know that would <laughs> play with knives, you know. And, <laughs> yeah. and they I think know. it's okay. <laughs> oh, it's okay. It's just Theo being him. Yeah. You know? that's, yeah, that's, that's definitely red flags. And I would hope that anybody that would have a toddler that would be playing with knives would certainly go get a therapist right away and work yeah. with, you know, see what's going on with that kid. So Yeah. And I guess at the time when he was that young, I mean, I know that therapy has been so stigmatized over the years and now it's finally coming into light where it's, you know, not having that like bad connotation to it, but or that negative connotation. But I mean, he was, so what? He was like, 30 or something in the 70s, so... It would have been way like the, You know what I mean? So it would have been like the 50s or something that he did this as a toddler. So it's almost like maybe they just kind of brushed it under the rug because it was just like therapy or any kind of like mental health issues Prior just to, worked. Yeah. I still would have thought it's pretty weird that Aunt Julia's got knives in her bed. You know? <laughs> yeah. Either way, that whole thing is just like a weird situation. Dr. Lewis, again, had said, just to like quote her a couple times, kind of piggybacking off what you said, Michelle, um, she said, quote, he lacks any core experience of care and nurturance or early emotional sustenance. So that goes back to like that re reactive attachment disorder yeah. diagnosis where you just don't bond. There's no bonding. And, and the first the first year and a half of a baby's life is so important. Like, just even the touch to stimulate the synapses being formed. Wow. And then you never can go back and get them. If you miss out on that, you never can go back and get them. So, really? you know, that can set up for future dysfunction. Yeah. For sure. Is there, like, a, um, not a cutoff age, but an age where that starts affecting them like is it like six months or like or is it ever since they're like as soon as they come out of the womb it's a progression i'm sure but mm -hmm. um but it is you you know establishing right away the nurturing the holding the touching of your children is so important they always say that first two years is the most important as far as touch and that kind of thing to build that and then it, children that miss out on that never have normal relationships mm -hmm. you know and difficulty if they have mm -hmm. relationships at all my whole life has made a lot more sense. <laughs> like, I'm getting therapized. No, um, therapized. <laughs> yeah. um, but so crazy. Touching the mm -hmm. touching their scalp. feet, touching their heads, their touching their hands, feet. Yeah, touching Why their feet. It's just touch. It's the physical touch. Yeah. So, Shit. girls, yeah. have your babies and touch them. 
Yeah. Not in a Napoleon touch them. Babies and then touch them. Wow. That, was... that is so physical <laughs> touch is very important. Yeah. Stimulates it literally stimulates brain growth. That's interesting. Did you know this when you had your children? Yeah. Okay. So this is She's like that's that not, that's why Megan posts. Fucked up? No, that's <laughs> like, yeah. No, I'm just wondering like if because I wouldn't I mean, I don't I, I, mean, I don't I think really I like knew to, it because of But if you're a good school, parent and you're holding your like children and loving on them, right. for most people it would come natural. And if it doesn't come natural and you know it, then it's something that you're going to work on. And that's another reason I said it, if anybody here. Promote, you know, loving on your babies when you have them. So. Okay, mm-hmm. other question. Does all motherly stuff come pretty natural? Like no, to, uh, not for everybody. I mean, depends on your personality type. Ted Bundy's mom, as I'm guessing she was a teenager when she had But him. I think there was a lot of that resentment. Right? Yeah, and it sounds young. like that pam- family was already effed up. But also, okay. like, That's your true. brain isn't fully developed until you're in your, what, mid-late 20s. So if it's a teenager, she's at the mental age of a teenager. She's not going to be well, thinking and if you have trauma, this is important, too. If you have trauma when you're young, sometimes when we're in a moment of crisis or we're, we're confronted with stress, we revert back to that psychological age of when our trauma happened. So if you were seven and you were witnessed a crime or you were beat by your dad or something terrible happened, sometimes you rehandle stressful situations as a seven-year-old would. And so it's in bringing your psychological age forward to match your chronological age is what sometimes we do in therapy to, to help them have new skills to not go back to that same. Or if you got raped when you were 14 and you handle stress as a 14 year old it's just interesting Mm. okay yeah and then from like a young age we kind of talked about this like before we started recording but ted bundy had this just weird fascination with murders and death like he would look um he would look in these like i don't know what they were like detective magazines i don't know what they were like they they said magazines i don't know what photos yeah like some kind of i don't know collection of like crime scene photos and he would get like aroused from these like dead Oof. bodies and yeah no so and he was young and we'd also talked about too that his grandfather had just like a collection of pornography and like i don't know if like he showed theodore or if he found them or whatever but yeah so he i don't know if that like that stemmed from especially it especially if those two were put together you know in his mind, oh, at that age, he's mm-hmm. been sexualized with pornography, but then also seeing these dead bodies, which becomes the fetish mm-hmm. that puts those two things together, which becomes... Shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. It's, it's a shit. perfect storm. Yeah. yeah. So he was a kid when he found this stuff. Like, yeah, I don't know how old, but he was a kid. A child. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Like a child, yeah. And he was, like, looking through and, like getting, like, his jollies off it. But, I mean, that also, like, taking the murder out of the equation, it also makes sense with how his sexual, or sex life was with, mm-hmm. um... Elizabeth. Elizabeth, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where he would choke her and, like... You know, he what he out. tied her up with? What? Nylon, um, like, hose. What he choked that one girl to death with? Can... Shut up! He so did he would, do that! He, tied her he did up, that in like, the movie! Mm-hmm. Whoa! Yeah. Which, again, those hoes can be a fetish. That can be the arousal <laughs> thing that comes out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that becomes Dem-hose. Dem-hose. Yeah. Dem-hose. 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 Yeah, dem hoes can be a fetish. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Because it's paired with the sexual experience, and so that becomes the trigger, which is what he used. Yeah. Well, then you, tr- like, I feel like, don't a lot of killers try to relive that high that sexual high and then they eventually have to kill you and they try to react or reenact it with his sex life with his girlfriend and eventually if he's not fulfilled has to go out and do it again reliving it or they are still trying to punish whoever that person is and that could be his mother over and Mm. over again trying to punish her you know and so they have to the need get that motivation coming up and then he has to he's consumed with that interesting yeah um that whole thing is very interesting, and I want to come back to that because I have something to say about that, but I don't want to get to it yet. So I want to put a pin in that and um, just very quickly kind of end off with, like, his early childhood with... Um, so his his mother, Lois, had taken him away from his grandfather, who was the only, as crazy as he was, was the only father figure in his life. And um, 
once again, to quote Dr. Lewis, she said, um, Ted went away with a very angry, rejecting, cold woman who didn't really want him, who took him away from the one person who was really warm to him. That's it. Sorry. <laughs> I thought there was more to that quote, but that was really warm to him. Warm to him so. while he's torturing cats. He's like, hey, buddy, let's do this bonding experience. Together. Yeah. I don't know how he was warm. I don't know the details, but apparently, like, they had some kind of connection, and then his mother took him away from him. So, um, Dr. Lewis was basically like, that had to have some kind of effect on him. Mm -hmm. And again, any one of those things alone maybe wouldn't have done that, not turned him into a killer, but putting that whole, like you said earlier, Megan, the perfect storm of all mm -hmm. those things together, the and then pieces. the trauma of being separated from this most important person who loved him, quote mm -hmm. unquote, um, that that triggered him to his, you know, c crazy... Killing spree. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so let's move into Ted Bundy actually growing up. So, allegedly he had good grades, grades, but he had a bad temper. Um, he was very intelligent. I mean, he had a degree in psychology. He went to law school. As we know, he represented himself in court. Apparently, not only did he look at pornography and the, the dead bodies, but he was a self-diagnosed chronic masturbator. <gasps> self-diagnosed? Yeah, I guess, like, that? I don't, well, I don't know, but I'm, a, he just, like, called himself a chronic masturbator, so it's like, Where did he what, say that? Um, I think he was talking to Dr. Lewis when he said it. No shit. But, like, I wonder how many times you have to masturbate until you're like, this a is chronic. chronic. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is a problem. No, for real, though, what would you say? Like, I wonder. A couple like, times a day. I mean, nine times a day, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> that seems, I don't know. like anywhere from nine to 11 yeah. times a day. <laughs> I'm at eight, so I'm okay. I'm, I'm below that. No, I don't know. I mean, like, chronic, ma I'm assuming that means daily, chronic, because oh, chronic, like, you have chronic pain. And probably at inappropriate or in, you know, in a inappropriate times. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. Know, places. Like at the movie theater or something. Yeah. Ew. Oh, my God. Frowned upon, like in an airplane. <laughs> in an airplane? No, what does he say in The Hangover? It's just oh. like masturbating in an airplane. It's frowned upon. But it's not illegal. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, he probably did it in like places like that, like out in public. Oh my gosh, I did not know that. Yeah, it's creepy to think like, like we had talked about last time too, very briefly about like, Megan looked up how many serial killers you may walk by in your lifetime, Ugh. and it could be like 16. Imagine how many chronic masturbators you're walking <laughs> by in your lifetime. Shit. <laughs> passing, <laughs> passing them on the daily. <laughs> um, anyway, we digress. Um, but yeah, so growing up, he developed just a lot of insecurities and self-esteem issues. Um, Which is another really telltale sign, or early sign, symptom of... A serial killer a lot of them have that in common just they're insecure they present well but they're very insecure and and I also had written too that they have a fear of rejection long well, who was he rejected by his mm -hmm. the woman who gave birth to him yeah right. so Man. that really fits into that too that's yeah. what she looked like when she was young because he had his like MO his type was like the I don't know conventionally attractive the long white, hair you know, middle, long, part, middle yeah. part brown hair Jenna Literally, Jen, literally like, what Jenna looks like is Ted Bundy's type. Many people... Um, no, I'm not going to say many people have told me that. <laughs> yeah, you hear that all the time. Hey, you know who you, know you, you look, look like? like? Ted Bundy's type. Ted Bundy's type. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, Those I'm chronic masturbators out there. <laughs> <laughs> I got them blowing up my phone. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Their pickup lines like, "Hey girl, you Ted Bundy type because you got that middle part." Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. That's just, oh gosh. Wait, does she look like it? Oh, but just dark hair. Yeah, very dark. Yeah, yeah. Not those um, photos are hard to tell. Yeah, they are yeah. hard to tell. And that was what looked. That was in it. <laughs> <laughs> she laughed. That's sad. Yeah, she's like, oh. Um, but yeah, I guess like Michelle, I want to ask you too. Not that you've dealt with serial killers in your, in your lifetime, maybe, I don't know. But how, like, not that you have the exact answer, but how could someone like Ted Bundy live these completely separate lives? I mean, we'll get into it a little bit later, too, but, like, 
he was smart and charming, but then he had these weird fetishes and ultimately That's became a serial yeah. killer. All like, of those perfect storm things put together, that one or two of those things may have been a pass, but then all of a sudden you've got all these things with trauma. And there, there may even have been more that nobody knows about that yeah. you never even, you know, actually acknowledge. Um, but the fear of rejection and, again, the abandonment of his, by his mother, you know, very common in serial killers so Mm -hmm. um and also when you pair that with maybe some narcissistic personality disorder Mm -hmm. you know he's charming because he he's going to gain something out of it you know Mm -hmm. i'm going to have this um be friendly and engaging because it's going to bring people to me and ultimately that's how he got victims he was that charming Mm -hmm. you know good looking guy that nobody thought anything about it about it yeah because you're not gonna like if you're a creepy looking person, you people question are, it. Yeah, people are gonna shy away. Yeah, yeah. if you're attractive, if like you're Zac Efron in a red bandana, hell, <laughs> yeah. I don't give a shit. Like, <laughs> I'm going right after that. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's true. No, and um, we'll get to this a little bit later too. But yeah, Ted Bundy was very like. I guess objectively attractive and women would just flock around the country to come watch his trial and it's oh almost gosh. like and Michelle it reminded me of something and we talked about this too like last time something you said in your podcast where you said uh, like horror movies they stimulate the same what is it chemicals in your brain that, adrenaline adre- and hormones it's the same thing that's released as when you're having sex when you have an orgasm so yes that is the same watching a horror movie is the same stimulation as having sex so do you think, like, the women would, like, experience that? You know, in the courtroom, like, they would, they, like, like the, the thrill of, like, this hot guy being, like, maybe choking them to death, you know what I mean? Oh like, I don't God. know. Or even just get, gaining his attention, because then it's, like, rubbing off on them. Like, they're, they're uh, vicariously having that, you know, stimulation. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's it. That's a very... There's like, a lot of women Did that, the women that, would, like, would go to his... Whatever, were they like thinking that he was innocent? Wow, he's just hot. I'm surprised because he's innocent. Or like they like, wow, he's a serial killer, but he's hot, and I want to watch that. Well, I mean, he tried to plead his innocence for years. I mean, there was nothing. I mean, he would be like, oh, I don't know if I'm innocent. I stole a comic book when I was five. But I mean, like, like he would just say weird shit like that all the time. But he always, he's like, I did not do this. I'm innocent. Up until literally, like. I don't know how many days, but days before his execution where he finally said, like, I did it. Like, here and, and are so the bodies. Maybe there are women that thought he was not guilty, but then there's also women that, like, Charles Manson had so many yeah. women that Ugh. write him and want to, you know, want to have a relationship. And it, maybe it's just, like I said, vicarious no- notoriety or mm-hmm. being notorious through that kind of it's relation. It's thrilling. It is yeah. thrilling. There's an adrenaline rush with that, like you're saying. Um, but... You know, maybe whether they thought he was innocent or whether they just thought he, they could gain his attention and, mm. and be the center of attention. Because they probably have women that, I have to be careful what I say, you know, but you don't want, they, they probably have their own mental health issues. Yeah. That anybody that would be writing to a, car- a, a killer of any kind or, you know. What was his baby mama's name? Carol. 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 Carol Baskin. <laughs> um, yeah, so, like, they, he paid off the guards or something, how, yeah. and then um, he had sex while he was in prison with this lady and got her pregnant, and they were they were married. Like, it was almost, I think it was, like, maybe 10 years so or close to 10 happened years. whatever to that child? Oh, they, they don't know. Oh, they, yeah. I saw, she changed her name and they disappeared, so no one's oh. heard of what happened. I don't even know if the child knows that they're Ted Bundy's kid. But yeah. what would her... And then you go, is it nature, is it nurture, is what it Why is her diagnosis yeah. that she was cool with sleeping with a serial killer? She knew it. Yeah. yeah, like she knew. Yeah, I think he told her. This maybe. was like well uh, after, you know. Yeah, it was like, a long time after that. Like they were like, "Yeah, you did it, man," and she's like, "Well, you really have to wonder, you know." It's, it's we we're like you said, you walk by serial killers all the time. <laughs> At some point in your life, you're gonna mm-hmm. walk by somebody. It's kind of crazy to think how how we're also hurting. <laughs> yeah, we all have our own stuff we're carrying around, but yeah, know, it takes it to the next level. Yeah, not enough to fuck a serial killer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so growing up, like, as a young adult or a teenager, he worked as, which I thought this was very interesting, he worked as a suicide hotline operator. That's where he met Carol originally. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. This is right. That's what he said. No, they said. Oh, oh did it? I heard that on, um, a different, my favorite murder. 
podcast oh. or my favorite murder but yeah they were together in the hotline oh okay, i didn't know that yeah okay yeah so that was crazy that i thought that like but that got him really like, close it's to that death. god complex that's that got all really, that's true got him really yeah close to death and, and yeah being in control some side of some sort of control yeah i didn't even think about that i just thought it was like oh well, there must have been some kind of empathy but no, no that's it all goes <laughs> back got into control like, over whether someone lives or dies yeah and being cl- or someone dies ha- him having a sense of being a part of it. Yeah. You know? That like, gives me chills. Sense of involvement. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, he worked as a um, preliminary, or worked on a preliminary investigation into rape assaults for the C- Seattle Crime Pre- Prevention Advisory Commission um, just as he was planning his pre- premeditated murder. So right. it's like, was he studying? Well, that, like, and, and also thinking he's smarter than the police, and also living vicariously yeah, living his photos again. He's yeah. already, you know, yeah. he already was, he was already attracted to these, that kind of photo of dead bodies and he's being just, a part you know, of this. planning himself in the middle of everything. Yeah. He experienced it from a different side. Yeah. That's why he became a chronic masturbator, because it was just constantly, he was constantly <laughs> triggered all the time, all the time. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. Jeez. But, that's just, wasn't he like an expert at not leaving any evidence behind? So like, yeah. Apparently he was trained well from working with these people. Yeah. Well, he was... Knowing what to do and what not to do. Yeah. You know, he, like, absolutely, he was very good at, like, not leaving evidence behind. So, yeah, he was, like, maybe studying or very trained. Like, he was studying to be a lawyer, and he worked for all these places or whatever. Um, but allegedly, I don't know how true this is, but apparently there were, like, 20 fingerprints found at the Kyle Mega house, and they were just like, eh. <laughs> I don't know how true that is, but, like, I don't know if you can, like... Credit that to the well, Netflix he was a in the little 70s. Then, too, because that's when he bit the sorority chick's butt cheek and that's left his tooth. He had a very yeah. distinct teeth, you know, yeah. crooked teeth, and like he and left his butt. And that was his mark. demise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and like just to skip into like his relationships too, um, unlike I guess most serial killers, which Michelle, you could probably speak on this more, but um, he was able to have like normal sexual relationships besides him like tying up. You know, but who hasn't been tied up before, am I right? <laughs> no, but, like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, besides, like, the really freaky stuff, like, whatever they did, he was able to have this normal sexual relationship with Elizabeth. And, I mean, she didn't think anything of it. She was like, no. okay, he's just a little bit kinky, I guess. Yeah. Like, so, um, besides, if you, instead, if you look at, like, um, I mean, Jeffrey Dahmer is, like, a different case, because like, right. he was homosexual, but... kind of serial killers, too. Yeah. Like that that plays into that but I think he compartmentalized it and he was he had no feelings so he could separate it and you know I'm gonna and, and again narcissistic personality disorder I'm going to be engaging and cordial and, and loving to this person because I'm getting something out of it he's also gained a sense of normalcy I look it's like a normal a guy mm-hmm. yeah. yeah this is this is my normal life this is my girlfriend ask her we're great we're normal yeah you know um but then and again compartmentalizing that part of his life versus this whole secret world that he had going on. I still don't know how he had time to kill people. Yeah. How do you go to law school and help raise a child and have the average relationship with your significant other? You know, that that brings up something I did want to talk about, too, that when I talked, when I was teaching a couple of my courses and I talked about defense mechanisms and if you study Freud or any of that stuff, you know, there's repression, denial, projection, all these defense mechanisms, these coping skills that we use. Well, sublimation is an interesting defense mechanism. It's taking something um, that might be seen as negative and turning it into a positive. So, you know, there's a fine line between a surgeon and a serial killer because they both, you know, can cut into people or do things that could damage other human beings, but the surgeon does it for good. Mm -hmm. Now, some of those same you know, drives, and I'm not saying surgeons are all serial killers or anybody, <laughs> but taking something and, you know, if he would have put his energies into doing something positive instead of taking these dark things and turning it into this negative killing spree, you know. But it's just interesting because if he would have, he's a smart guy, you know, he was a lawyer. If he would have gone into med school and maybe become the a judge doctor or at his um, trial, when he was um, defending himself, he... Um, John Malkovich played him, right? And the yeah, yeah. He basically said, "It's a shame. It's a waste of of, of humanity. Of humanity, because mm-hmm. you would have been an excellent attorney." Like right. he said, "You're yeah. you're good. You're surgeon. smart. Yeah. yeah, yeah." He was very intelligent and had the capacity to learn and right, you know, right. Learn but he well. had, but he didn't have that moral compass at all. So he didn't. That wasn't incapable of all that. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting because 
that's that same line that you just cross over one way or the other. So. Yeah. That makes me think, too, of, like, like I hear all the time that there's such this fine line between, like, um, like, I don't know if it's, like, politically correct, but, like, psychopaths and genius. Yeah. Like, there's such, a, fi- and, yeah, and there's such a fine even, line. It's not even, not even psychopath, but mental illness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And genius. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we've, ta- we've talked about that in, in, our, in the classes I've taken and I've taught. There is a fine line. Because you're outside in the normal, and I think you just said Velcro. Because I think I've said that a thousand times, and you probably heard me say that. But yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just it's not in the normal realm. Mm-hmm. So anything outside of the normal realm is abnormal. Mm-hmm. Is it healthy abnormal or is it unhealthy dysfunctional abnormal? So mm-hmm. yeah. So with like him and Elizabeth, like they had the seemingly normal relationship, seemingly normal sex life, um, but after she dumped him, I'm not exactly sure why she dumped him I forget I feel like I read it but I forget but so she dumped him and he put on this facade to get her back like he stole furniture to like refurnish his apartment like he became like he tried to become this very sophisticated person and take up like I don't know if I think I don't know I might just be making this up but I thought maybe he like learned a different language or either way he was just like increasing his vernacular so he was hoping that she would come back to him but here it was all it was just a facade like it wasn't well, true because again once again a woman an important woman in his life just rejected, rejected him yeah. yeah and so holding on to that sense of normalcy mm-hmm. you know I, i've got to get i've got to keep her i've got to, and i don't want to be rejected again i've got to do whatever i can using all his narcissistic skills and all those things criminal element to go make this life look a certain type of way so she'd stay mm-hmm. trying to save himself from being rejected again yeah interesting yeah, yeah it's yeah, and apparently, like, when they were together, their relationship was, as we could kind of see in the movie as well, like, their relationship was pretty good. I mean, it wasn't anything, like, anything normal or, or abnormal, I mean, but, and then, we talked about this last time, too, but he, uh, she eventually, like, Elizabeth eventually went to the police and was like, hey, I found all this stuff in my apartment, like, I found these, like, murder weapons or like it was like it wasn't that medical supplies yeah it was medical supplies um for the cast yeah Yeah. and that's another thing too speaking of his his cast he had he admitted that he actually used a cast to like lure women in because he was like i'm gonna seem more innocent if i'm like a wounded and more vulnerable yeah not as dangerous yeah yeah they want to help the 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 wounded bird the neighbor Mm -hmm. you know like we yeah, like yeah. Hers. You watch like at the end of the ugh, at the end of the movie, still gives me chills. The hacksaw oh, gosh, part. I can't think about. I that know, part. but like Great he, scale. like he, his arm was in a sling, and she was completely the girl that he had, like completely off guard. Like it was midday, they were walking to the car. She bent down to put her books in the trunk, and he just with you know a tire and iron, and it's just like fuck off. Yeah, whacked her. Whacked her. Yeah. So um, that is just like. Um, so the cast obviously like works, but it's just kind of it's, it's. I hate to say it's smart, but it's smart. You know, he was a smart guy. Like it's so sad that like these women were manipulated into like being murdered, but he was just like this smart guy that and just knew and good looking. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of moving into the his murders and just talking a little bit i guess more about like elizabeth and why he didn't kill her or or the theories behind why he didn't kill her um so he murdered at least 30 women that we know of um but he bragged up to like about like 100 i think um across california oregon florida idaho utah colorado and this was all within like a five-year span so from 1973 to 1978 um and not to get graphic, but he, it, it ranged from like beating with like a metal rod or um, like a like a log that he used in the Kyle Mega house with uh, strangulation, whether with the, either his hands or nightgowns or pantyhose or whatever the case may be. So um, it was just kind of this, I guess, diverse way of I don't know. And then he practiced necrophilia, and I don't know how often that was though I don't know if it was every time I don't know if he raped them before I don't know like all the gruesome details um but I know that like he did practice necrophilia um and so something we want to talk about too is why didn't he kill Elizabeth I mean they were together for six years I mean so some of the theories behind it are 
yeah, like we had just said, maybe it was a cover up. It was, or and it was some kind of link to normalcy. Mm-hmm. Maybe like it made him feel better. It made him like maybe he knew. I don't know. It's just my theory. Maybe he knew it was wrong deep down, but then he's like, "Oh, but it's okay because I have this girlfriend." And, and maybe not wrong necessarily, but wrong in society's eyes. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. in society's eyes, I need to have this life because this life society doesn't recognize as normal and as a ma- as, as a matter of fact is abhorrent. Mm-hmm. You know, so holding on to that normalcy. Yeah. So, um, and, and apparently Elizabeth had said this too that she found out that he had tried to kill her a couple times. Like, there was one time where, I don't, it must have been, like, a like a house set up in the 70s that I'm not familiar with, but apparently he, like, tried to clog the chimney or or the room with the chimney and was trying to, like, smoke her out while she was sleeping, and she woke up and was, oh, like, was choking. Really? Mm-hmm. And she woke up and she was choking, and she was like, what the hell? And he's like, oh, my God, I have no idea. <laughs> and he, or he was, like, trying to kill her. Um, and then I guess there was another time too where, oh, he like threatened, he would, he would say like, I'll break your fucking head. <laughs> like, like shit like, like that. See, like, and that's in those m- maybe moments of anger and serial killers are also very impulsive mm-hmm. creatures. They'll act out without thinking at times, you know? Mm-hmm. So maybe in those moments she, she made him angry about something and that's when he was flipping the, the switch. Yeah, like turned it turned it back on to who he truly was, I guess. Um, but and so, when they asked him, like Dr. Lewis asked him, um, or or um, not Dr. Lewis, Elizabeth had asked him, like, why didn't you try to kill me, or like why didn't you kill me? And um, he said, and this was in Elizabeth's book, which was, uh, it's called The Phantom Prince. Um, I think My Life with Ted Bundy, I think is what it's called, but My Phantom Prince is what it's called. And um, he said, quote, I don't have a split personality. I don't have blackouts. I remember everything I've done. The force would just consume me. Like one night I was walking by the campus and I followed a sorority girl. I didn't want to follow her. I tried not to, but I do it anyway, unquote. So Michelle, you were just saying they're impulsive. Yeah, Yeah, it's almost like they have a drive to kill. Yeah. So when it, and then they have that need to fulfill that drive. We're eating some pumpkin pie. <laughs> um, Doing all the fall things. Yeah. I, um, it's the same thing. Like, as you're eating pie, I'm thinking, like, I'm impulsed to eat pie. Like, is it the same? Like, Speaking is of, it coming? Megan, I'll take Yeah. Like, is it coming from the same place? Like, obviously, there's a spectrum, but, like, is it coming from the same place where I'm like, I want sugar. Like, I need sugar. And no matter how much I want to lose weight, like, I want to. Like, is that coming? It, it, I mean, it could be along those lines, but I read this. It said serial killers have a chronic and overwhelming need to commit murder, which is different than killing for any other, even from other criminals. Mm. It separates them from other criminals. Okay. But it, are they born with this? That's, the, that's the question. That nobody knows. But see, and, and this is my opinion, I think we are predisposed to certain things, and we kind of talked a little bit about that in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had all of these things that happened to him that created this environment and which led to possibly going down the path of something that he may have been predisposed to. I don't know. Do you guys think people are born good or evil, or do you think they're born neutral? I mean, I grew up Catholic, so I don't practice it anymore, but I grew up Catholic, so I was born, or I was raised to think that people are born Neutral? Is that what they think? I forget. I'm a bad Catholic. I'm like, yeah, I completely forget what I was just raised (laughs) for 20 years about. Oh Um, my gosh. No, I think like, um, I guess there's there's that whole like, you know, there's always there's a plan no matter what. So as soon as you're born, it doesn't matter what you do. Like there's there, God has a plan for you. You still believe that? I don't know. Honestly, like I believe there's a God, but like Mm -hmm. I don't like I don't want to get into the whole thing. But like I don't know if I believe like. I wonder if Ted Bundy believed in God. That's a, I don't know. Yeah. Well, and and see, I don't know because he's, there's no moral compass in somebody. So God is a moral compass. Would you mm. believe in something that you don't have a compass for? Mm. If Ted Bundy hadn't had um, a mom who was cold and distant and rejecting, and a grandpa who didn't he didn't find his cache of porn, mm-hmm. and he didn't stump, have this connection to the dead bodies, and you know, and 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 you know, that's what I'm saying nature nurture there's a there's a predisposition there that could be genetic mm-hmm. his mom it sounded like she had some of her own mental health issues herself mm-hmm. but then putting all of that together 
took him down a terrible path mm-hmm. because of nurture, mm-hmm. not nature. So, you know, I really do think, I always think it's both. Yeah. So you could be born almost like... You're born neutral, you're, mm-hmm. but, you, but you have a predisposition. Like we have, people have predispositions to heart disease mm-hmm. or sugar diabetes or whatever. We have a predisposition. And if we have a certain lifestyle, we eat sugar every day, like our pie that we're eating. <laughs> that could, At least you know, it's gluten-free. Yeah. Yeah. It and it's so delicious, so it don't matter. Yeah. It is so good. That's, I guess that would be another question like that we were kind of talking about. Like the nature versus nurture is a big one. Like could this have been prevented if he had a better mother? Like, because they had thought about giving him up for adoption. Like, they thought about it for a long time. Really? Like, like yeah, like months. They were like, should Even we give this after baby he away? Was born? Mm-hmm. Is he, and, you know, when you're talking months down the road, some of the damage is already done. That's yeah. We've, we've, we've heard of horror stories of people being, like, of children. Not every adoption story is bad. By any means, there's a, a lot of amazing, there's a need for adoption. There's a yeah. lot of amazing adoption stories. But with reactive attachment disorder, if these synapses aren't formed when these babies are developing even if they're adopted at six months the damage could be done they could be oppositional they could be violent they could have problems with authority we personally know families that have had some serious issues with adopting kids from local and from other countries whether it's having trouble developing relationships like the love-hate push-pull relationship with reactive attachment and then violence um being violent towards a new baby in the family or the siblings in the family Mm -hmm. So, is it is that in their nature, or is it just not from those synapses not being formed? Is it from that early development? Yeah, like, would it would it matter? Right. Like, if if is it your environment, or is it just your the way you're wired? I mean, or yeah, is it both? Like, I guess we'll never know. I mean, maybe it's 2020. We might have some kind of technology down the road. I don't want to have to do this study though. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of that too, the um, I forget. I don't know if it was Dr. Lewis or what, but somebody had asked. Ted Bundy, they were like, hey, after you're electrocuted... Can we take your brain? Yeah. They said, <laughs> really? can, we, can we take your brain and study it? Wow. And at first he so was like, uh, no. And then he was like, eh. You think because he, he has such a big ego, you know, like, that he'd he be like, yes, that. yeah. Preserve, preserve my brain. Like, have my, you know... Yeah. So, legacy. I don't know. I couldn't find anything if they did or not. Like, I couldn't find anything. Um, <laughs> Where is Ted Bundy's brain? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I couldn't find if they actually did or not. But at first, yeah, I guess he was, like, grossed out. Like, no, you can't have my brain. And then he was like, actually, it might be pretty cool. But then, like... I've seen some studies, and I can't... And I, I probably shouldn't even speak on it because I'm not sure. But I think they showed... They studied brains of other serial killers, and their amygdala was ex- really small compared to other people. And, again, it's like that the... the whether you have thoughts for others, your empathy, you're empathetic, okay. and your um, all that stuff was sh- like shrunken down, which would make sense. Wow! Like the Grinch, the, like the Grinch's heart. Yeah, he's shrunken down. Um, so if someone's being mean, I can just like say, shave check them your and say, amygdala, your your amygdala is really fucking small. What is it? Can you say the word? Am- amygdala. 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 That's gonna be my insult now. Yeah, you have a small amygdala. Better make sure it's really what I'm. So another question too regarding Elizabeth, did he actually love her? And he had claimed that he did. He claimed that he did, but is I mean, is someone like that capable of love? Like after everything he's been through and I mean just like are you capable of that emotion? Someone someone with like so little empathy. And let me just, since you said yeah. empathy, I'm going to just read this. So the amygdala is located close to the hippocampus in the frontal portion of the temporal lobe, and it is essential to your ability to feel certain emotions and perceive them in other people. In other words, empathy. So I was right. Yeah. Like that's exactly what you were just speaking on. The, the ability to empathize is just not there. Yeah. Maybe he appreciated her for what her role was in his life. And that would go back to the narcissistic personality disorder. He needed her because of what... She, he, he treated her a certain way. He acted a certain way. So he maybe that was what he would qualify as love, but it's not right the standard of love that we would understand. Right? Yeah. It was manipulative love. Yeah. It was manipulative... You know, not I love you no matter what. Not, not conditional. unconditional. It was conditional, conditional love. love. Yeah. I yeah. love you if. Yeah. You fulfill this for me. Yeah. That's so... That's so... It's so scary, but it's so interesting. It's scary to think about, like, I hate to, like, compare myself to Ted Bundy because I'm not a serial killer, but it makes me think, like, I have a very hard time, like, empathizing, and I have a very hard time 
expressing my emotions. So I think like if my was amygdala amygdala amygdala. So I'm wondering if mine is like not as small as Ted Bundy's, see, but and like here's shrunken. the difference between mental illness and having tendencies. Uh-huh. You know, like I keep saying, personality, anti-personality, anti-social personality <laughs> disorder or narcissistic personality disorder that means they meet the criteria where it's causing dysfunction in their lives we all have tendencies you know histrionic you know that's a little bit we're a little bit drama we like a little drama in our lives we don't have histrionic personality disorder (laughs) megan but we do (laughs) like drama you know or maybe we're a little a little bit self-centered you know a little tendency towards self-centeredness it doesn't mean we're narcissistic personality disorder diagnosis but we have tendencies so you may have a tendency towards this or that but that doesn't mean you full-blown meet criterion is causing dysfunction in your life in all areas of your life yeah right? so yeah. how narcissistic do you have to be to be considered a narcissist well i would i could show you when we're done the criteria for person the narcissistic personality i'd disorder. love to see yeah <laughs> it's like i would love to see if i'm a narcissist <laughs> i mean no for real because like not ju- other people I know. I like I don't know with attention and stuff, mm-hmm. and just well. I mean, it's one thing to to have some self. You know, we we are all motivated by self. We each of us, no matter how generous and loving and compassionate we are, we're still motivated by self. Mm-hmm. Does it qualify to meet the criteria for being a narcissist? No, because we're we we are a little self. We're all a little self-absorbed, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm trying to think of people that I know with maybe some of those qualities, like are. Would they actually be considered a narcissist? List them off. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, I can name quite a few. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But again, that's tendencies. You might have a tendency towards a little bit being self-centered versus, or somebody you know, but it doesn't mean you meet full criteria. So. Yeah. Oh, I feel like I know a couple people that. I work with those. many, many women who have been married to male narcissists, and they have been. Mind effed. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's real, insane. real narcissist. Yeah, true, true narcissistic personality disorder males who, when I talk about the, you know, this is a narcissist mixed with somebody who's living with and loving a narcissist. The person who's living and loving a narcissist. If only I'm a better wife. If only I'm a better mm. mother. If only I keep the house nice. If only I lose weight. If only I make a good meal. And then the narcissist reinforces that by saying if only you're a better mother if only the mm-hmm. only goes so mm-hmm. you're owning it and they're own, they're pointing the finger at you so it's the perfect marriage of you know the narcissist putting that on the person mm-hmm. and sometimes people that are in with a narcissist long enough end up having some tendencies towards borderline personality disorder it's just a very difficult combination Whoa. but um i'll let you look at that i'll take like a gander at that after. Gander. <laughs> um so I, before we kind of wrap everything up, I want to talk a little bit, Michelle, about you're talking about the different types of serial killers. Mm-hmm. So I would love to hear about that. And then like you, I know you said, um, I don't know if we were, we were recording at the time, but you had mentioned what kind Ted Bundy was yes. or what he had. Yeah. Yes. The kinds that there are, um, I mean, there's more than these, but these are like the four main kinds that I've, I've researched. The thrill seeker. Um, those are the ones that, they want to outsmart the police. They leave like calling cards and different things to try to show that they're smarter than the police. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have the, the mission-oriented. Um, they feel like they're doing society a favor. They're going to kill all those prostitutes. They're going to kill the homosexuals. They're going to, you know what I mean? They have this mm-hmm. mission that they feel like they're going to help society by getting rid of the drug addicts or, you know, because you know, how many times have you seen serial killers killing the prostitutes? Yeah, you know, that's, all the time. Yeah, you know, and they're also easy Game. But yeah, how often does that progress? Because they are easy targets until they. And no one really notices because mm-hmm. usually they're estranged from their families. Right. So right. Um, the other one, the third one, is visionary. So these are people who are actually having psychotic breaks. So they, you know, they they think God, like the son of Sam, you know, the dog was talking. It was God, you know, and he thought it was God telling him to kill people, or the devil's telling me that they're actually paranoid schizophrenics, mm-hmm. or they have paranoid schizophrenia disorder. I don't want to say. I say it the wrong way mm-hmm. um but so they're driven by they're truly those are the kind of people that you would say would be insane you mm-hmm. know mentally ill people 
Um, and then the, the final one is, you tell me and I'll let you guys say what you think. Um, the final one is power and control. Love, they love to watch their victims be terrorized. They love to hear their screams. They love to have that control. Generally a history of child abuse. Michael Myers? I was going to say Ari Aster. <laughs> so out of hearing those, thrill-seeker, no, mission-oriented, visionary, and power control, what do you think? I would say either the please out smarter or the last one, but I'm going could more with the last yeah, one. Yeah, it could be yeah. a, a hybrid of both, you know, because yeah. he, he did think he was smarter than everybody, and he was pretty darn smart. Yeah, he yeah. was smart. Um, but he just made jail in the courthouse. Yeah, but like, again, I think he really was the manipulative. He liked the power. He liked the control. He liked, he wasn't going after prostitutes. He was going after college students. Yeah. High-functioning women, because he was smarter than them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Play the victim with the broken arm. and yep. So all of that is the power and control, but I so, think it's what are a couple serial killers we can identify? What about the Axe Man from New Orleans? Didn't he like say like if you like the fifties or something? Yeah, if, if yeah. you or play 60s. jazz music, then I won't kill you. Yeah, like, and people would like every Friday night or something. Did or he Saturday. like send letters yeah. to the police too? I don't know if he was ever caught. I don't know. So there was this. I forget. I don't know. Do you know his name? I don't know if no one knows his name because I don't oh, think okay. he was caught. So there's this um, Axe just, Murderer. So he's still out there. Oh no. He's well, dead. maybe. I mean, depending. Oh, on, no, because he was old in the sixties. No, it was. 1919, so he, he oh, he's oh, way he's gone. Yeah. Well, we so, say that, but my step was born in the 20s, and he's still <laughs> 100 years old, like, oh. out there killing. Ohio's um, one of the big states for serial killers, by the way, probably because we are one of the most populated <laughs> states. Jenna's face goes... But, you know, Anthony Solo was from um, Cleveland, and, mm -hmm. and, you know, he was there. What about Cleveland? Uh, Anthony Sowell was Who's from that? Cleveland. He was the guy who um, killed all those ladies... Um, Why is it always a girl? He buried him in the backyard, buried the women. And then, of course, Jeffrey Dahmer's right here from Bath, yeah. Ohio, you mm -hmm. know. And what? So there's, the there's a big old long... Dick yes. was up with this place. And the, we, I talked about this um, last episode, too, and I hate to bring up Ashlyn right now because I'm not supporting Ashlyn, but um, like this, the, just the city itself is very... There's a lot of racial things going on there, and I'm not I'm trying not to talk about it. But anyway... Um, there was a serial killer in Ashland a couple of years ago. While you were at school? No. Oh. No, I think it was when I was an undergrad. But, um, yeah, so they were in Ashland. But, yeah, so apparently, like, there's a lot of crap that goes on in Ohio. Like, a lot of, like, park predators, too. Yeah. Park. And then, then mm -hmm. like in the like in the park, yeah. Park and <laughs> park, yeah, yeah. So I shouldn't go to parks. Um, I mean, not by yourself like, usually. Not, oh my gosh! I, I do though, so it's like you just gotta like Great risk it. You guys will never oh. guess. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, <laughs> never guess what state has the most. Ohio. No. Um, New York. No. Jersey. Let me guess. <laughs> no, 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 Jenna. <laughs> um, okay, so I'll never guess. So I'm gonna um, let me think of a uh, Utah. No. I was thinking of like the the aliens. Alaska. Oh, Alaska. Oh, Alaska. Because they're in the dark killers. so freaking long. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Man, they're all used to killing moose, so that they just yeah. Like, I'd love to go to Alaska so much. Besides so that, Axman <laughs> published a letter to the police, and he published sheet music for people. To, it's called the Mysterious Axman's Jazz. Oh yeah, so the or did he not? No, a historian published it, not the Axman. So the Axman in apparently 1919, or or oh. he was born whatever. Um, so he would um go around and say, like, hey, like, if you play jazz music, I think it was, like, Saturday nights or something, or what, in, I forget what it was. Where, in New Orleans? Yeah, it was New Orleans. Um, so he would, he would say, like, if you play jazz music, I won't come to your house and murder you. So you, people would play jazz music, like, blast it, because they were afraid this guy would come and kill them. No, fuck, I would, too. Yeah, I would be like, oh, okay, but it, it's, a, like, that control thing, I guess. Like, That's terrifying. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah, yeah. Well, and it is weird, too, to think about, <clears throat> you said, we, we say men are more likely um, serial killers, but there are some females out there. Yeah. Oh, um, uh, what's her name played her? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. She's South African. Oh, Charlize Theron. Theron yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And she really looked so different. What a like transformation! Wait, who though. did she play? She played that uh, the female zero color. So instead of since we're not doing a movie this time, um, instead of what would your strategy be, we're instead going to play what type of serial killer would you be, and we're gonna guess for each other. So. Um, so Michelle just went over them. It's the the trying to outsmart the cops one, um, the visionary. You're trying to do like society justice. What was no, the, no, no. Oh, oh, sorry. The thrill seeker is the tr oh. the smarter than the cop. The mission oriented one. The mission is the one where you're 
killing prostitutes and killing for the drug derelicts and all that. And then visionaries, the one that have had a psychotic break and oh. just kind of go off in their mind, losing their mind. And then the power and controls, the one that likes to watch all the terror. Okay. Megan is a visionary. <laughs> yeah. This is a psychotic break one thing. <laughs> what do you guys think? Okay, I'm gonna say, yeah, definitely that's Megan. <laughs> Bree would probably try to be a thrill seeker. Slash, I feel like, like, Right, right early, you get, like, the power. Yeah, honestly, like, I don't mean to be like, I would totally do that, but, like, I feel like if I were a seer, like, I I enjoy watching horror movies, and I don't, I've never you killed anyone, but... horror movie. Yeah, so it's almost like I feel like I would, I don't think I would be the one that would, like, try to outsmart the cops, because I don't know that much about, like, justice and... Forensics. Um, like, yeah, and forensics, how you write but, the murder mysteries and stuff, though. Yeah, like, well, I'm in control. Okay, let's. What would Jenna be? I don't know. Jenna would go kill all of Yeti's competitors. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. Smoke <laughs> hydro flask. What else? Watch out! She's coming for you. Work sickle. Y'all are goners, man. <laughs> you just give them free advertisement, though. <laughs> no, Yeti, sponsor me. It's been like two years. Come on. Um, Michelle, I just met you today, but I don't know what you would be. I can't even wrap my my. I know, Michelle. You're you're so nice. Like I feel like just because like oh by the way I don't know if I mentioned this but this is Megan's mom. Oh yeah, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, hi mom. Um, I guess since like you guys are related, maybe like the visionary as well. Because I don't know, you guys are just like so sweet. Wow. Okay, before we close, what an episode. Yeah. Is there anything else we want to say, Michelle? Is there anything else you want to say? I'm just so glad you guys invited me on. This is something I'm super passionate about as far as like anything anything psychology, anything therapy wise. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I'm so on that. So if you ever have anything else like this, hey, invite me back Absolutely. for a take two because I love it. We would love to have you on That's again. Fun. Yeah. Sure. But you have to watch the movie with us next time. I, I, well, if it's a psychological thriller like this one, yes. But not anything like Saw or... We should make her watch Oculus. No. Nope. <laughs> I, I wouldn't sleep for months. Yeah. I would need a therapist after that. Saw would be... I mean, I know you don't want to watch it, but Saw would be an interesting one, too. Like, there's some psychology in it. Yeah, there's a lot of psychology mm-hmm. in it, yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, thank you so much, Michelle. You're welcome back anytime. This is so much fun um, diving into serial killer and figuring out who we would be. Um, but so, yeah, in closing, like I said earlier, make sure you check out our Patreon, Screams and Queens podcast. You get some cool stuff with it. Check us out on social media, on Instagram, at Screams and Queens Pod, and on Twitter, at Screams Podcast. We do have a website up um, uh, the URL's too long, so you can find it somewhere on our social media pages. Um, also, this is our last episode in September, so that means October is right around the corner. Spooky and, month! Yes, so we have some special Halloween episodes that we are so excited to uh, watch movies and release, and Jenna already has nightmares, so... Oh, you guys are in for some real shit. <laughs> it's about to go down in October. So, uh, next week will be the first week of October, and uh, we watched the movies or Sleepy Hollow, and we're comparing it to the Legend of Sleepy Hollow, the original short story by Washington Irving. Irving. So I'm very excited about that. Um, but thank you once again, Michelle, for being on the podcast. It was awesome to have you. And we are Screams and Queens. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.